This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. My divorce happened in the middle of the pandemic. And because of that, I could not go see a therapist in person. And that's where BetterHelp was a lifesaver. BetterHelp is an online therapy application that offers video, phone, and live chat, live text, therapy sessions. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. It was a lifesaver for me during the pandemic, and I really think it can help you too. Try it. Hi friends, in today's episode we will be discussing a sensitive topic that includes references to suicide. So we want to give our listeners a heads up and please be aware that this content may be triggering for some. If you feel it might be too difficult for you, feel free to skip this episode and join us for the next one. This is episode 3 of Jennifer's Story. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, go listen to them and come back for this one. As we concluded our last episode, Jennifer received a heart-wrenching news about her father. That was 16 when my parents left. By the time I was 18, we got a call that my dad, my dad passed away. And I mean, it was a big shock. It was a big shock. Um, because I, I, and honestly, like my dad passed away. When I got the news, I was relieved. And it sounds so bad to say this, but like I would get nightmares that my, my my parents were back together and my dad was in my life again so when we found out that he passed away it was like a weight lifted off my shoulder that he could never come back into my life and you know it ended up that he committed suicide this tragic news left jennifer grappling with a lot of emotions and twists and turns and just questions And that is where we will pick up this episode, episode three of Jennifer's story. Not a suicide, he was murdered. So after my parents got a divorce when I was 16, he came back to America. He found somebody to get married to because he wanted his green card. It turns out the person he married, you know, wasn't like my mom. You know, she wasn't a slave to him. You know, this woman wouldn't cook. This woman wouldn't clean. This woman wouldn't do anything. And he realized how unhappy he was. And I think he tried coming back. He would call my house. He would call the house and he would hang up. He would call it. We would get a lot of prank calls. And the reason I know it was him now was because when they went through his truck, there was a lot of calling cards. And so he was making calls to Canada and he was making calls to the house, to my house. We were getting lots of prank calls. And then one time, so my brother came out and told me that one time he called the house and he tried to speak to my brother. And when my brother picked up the phone, my dad was like, hi, and said his name. And my brother was like, no, you have the wrong number and hung up the phone. And shortly after that, my dad killed himself. And it really haunted my brother. And my brother had felt so much guilt for that, 
it spiraled into a depression. You know, my brother is still not the same person. Um, you know, he he didn't do so well in school. He, you know, it just it just spiraled. You know, for my brother because I think everybody in my family, my dad was always good to my brother. So then, you know, after he was, my brother knew obviously he needed to protect us, right? So then. I guess hanging up the phone on my dad was that what he felt like he needed to do, and then, you know, it just so happened that was a breaking point for my dad, and so my dad ended up killing himself. So when that happened, now um, we had to go back to for the funeral. So that was like the second. So that was the absolute last time. Um, I had to, I I got to see my dad was in a casket, and um, and I wish it was like a, an easy thing. My life has never been easy, so we're so we're in the funeral now, and his his current wife starts yelling at my mom. And my mom is a very petite, small woman, very nice, like doesn't say anything, doesn't give bad looks, like she's just a pleasant old tiny woman. And this lady starts attacking her in the funeral. Oh my god! And I'm the fighter in the family, right? So I start screaming at this lady, and I'm pointing my finger. My uncle, who's there, is in the middle of us, trying to like, you know, protect me and push me. Like he's shorter than me, by the way. So he's just like, he's like Jenny. I look at you, and all I see is your hand waving in the air, and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so I mean, so we fought in the in the funeral home. You know, she was blaming my mom for everything when, you know, the last two years of my life, his life, sorry, my dad's life, my mom had nothing to do with it. She was deflecting. She was trying to deflect on us. When my dad was cremated, I wasn't allowed in the room for the cremation because I I was yelling at the lady because she was yelling at my mom. Um, so my my brother was in the room. My uncle, my dad's brother was in the room. This wife was in the room. Her family was in the room, but I was not in that room when it, he was being cremated.、Um, but I did get to see him from the window of of that.、Um, so then we were there in New Jersey with my family, and you know, because I was next of kin, I had to do the investigation of like what what really happened to my dad. Jennifer is 18 now. She was just told that her father had committed suicide. She was not really allowed to properly mourn and say goodbye to her father because of the fight that happened at the funeral. But maybe she can get some type of closure and peace by confirming how her father died, right? But when she is contacted by the local police, who were following their own investigation and process to confirm the way her father died. Jennifer would slowly start noticing that something is completely wrong with the way her father had died. Her father may actually have been murdered. It's hard for me, you know. I'm 18 at this point. I've been traumatized by this man, but I know I'm the only one who has to step up to find these answers for my brother, for my mom. You know, like I have to do this. They're not. They can't. My mom can't do it. She's the ex-wife. She has no right. My brother is young, you know. It's hard. He just lost his dad, right? 
So I'm the one who has to now do this investigation to, to find out what's going on. We go to the apartment that he was staying in. Turns out to be the same complex that we grew up in in Holland Park. He went back right there to live with this new woman. And he's in a one-bedroom apartment. And he's there with with her daughter and her daughter's husband, who her, her daughter's not her, her daughter's boyfriend, who ended up being in the military, his army. And I'm looking at this apartment, and I'm like, it's too small to fit four adults. It's too small. Like it's not. It doesn't make sense. Then I go. He 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 hung himself in the middle. So it's it's a small two-story building, and it has four apartments two on each side and in between is a staircase it's a two-story staircase he hangs himself in the middle of the staircase the staircase is so small he's 6-3 I'm looking at this with a small tiny rope he can stand up on those steps it doesn't make sense it does makes no sense so then I'm like let me go to the police now Highland Park police I have to go I have to speak to somebody this doesn't make sense right I go there and I find out that the person who investigated this was the same police officer who investigated me at 14. So I'm seeing him four years later and he's looking at me and he's like, you know, I went to the scene and I saw that girl there and I thought it was you, but you didn't look familiar. And I'm like, it wasn't me. That wasn't me. And he was just in shock. And I'm talking to him now and I'm asking him questions. And he told me his story. He told me what happened, what the lady said. The lady said that, you know, he, my dad always goes on walks at night. And so this time she wakes up, she looks for him. She doesn't see him. She gets up to go look for him. And she goes outside and she sees that he's, he's hanging from the staircase. So I looked at the officer and I said to, I said to him, if she, if she knows he's always walking, why does she wake up and get up to go look for him this time? It doesn't make sense. One. Two, it doesn't make sense that he can hang himself from that staircase because he could stand up. And and the officer looked at me. He didn't say anything. He's nodding his head. And he's like, you know, when I found the body, his body was still shaking. Like he was still shaking on the rope. So I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I'm like, also, there's four adults in that in that house. Where are they fitting? It doesn't, there's no room for them. And the officer is nodding his head. And he looks at me and he's like, did you do criminology or something in school? And I'm like, no, this is common sense. You know, I'm 18. I'm not even in, at that, because so, so in Ontario, you go up to grade 13. It's not 12. It's not four years. It's five years in, in high school. So at this time, I'm not even in, in college or university. I'm still in high school. So he's just like, I just finished. So I had just finished high school. That's the summertime of me going on to college or university. I had just finished high school. So he's looking at me, he's like, did you go to criminology? Did you do criminology? I'm like, no, I didn't. It just doesn't make sense. And he's like, I know, it doesn't make sense. That's all he says to me because there's nothing really else to say, you know? And I don't know, like I just, you know, I felt, I felt bad about the whole situation because it just doesn't add up. He, his truck was packed. The officer told me his truck, his truck, my dad's truck was packed with all of his belongings. It looked like he was leaving to go back to Canada. So if it looks like he was leaving to go back to Canada, why would he kill himself? He's looking for a better life. So why is the, you know, the boyfriend there who's works in the military, you know, there at this house, this is all not adding up to me, you know, and there's nothing, you know, I don't think I'm not blaming the police. 
But I don't think they give a shit. Another brown person died who gives a shit. You know, that's how I feel about it. And and then um you know, my 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 family that does live in New Jersey also know a lot of people. And they spoke to a different officer, a friend, and the officer said that the file is closed. This is probably why this officer couldn't tell me anything. The file was closed. His new wife closed the file. It turns out she's also um a paralegal and she also used to work for a doctor's office at one point in her in her life. So she, so I'm sure she knew some kind of drug to sedate him enough that it wouldn't show and make it look. And I mean, this is just me putting pieces together. This is not, you know, I'm not trying to accuse her of, you know, this is a big thing, right? But this is just common sense. Like it doesn't add up and there's a reason why it doesn't add up. So, she walked she walked away with everything. All of his money, everything. We yeah, she got all of his money. She got everything. If he was like he was planning to leave her, she wouldn't have gotten anything. If he had left to go to Canada, they would have gotten divorced. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't going to get anything out of it. So she had to do it before he left. So yes, that was the motive. Well, what a doozy. And I know a lot has happened since the beginning of Jennifer's story. And she's only 18 years old by this point. So, a lot more to come. Remember what Jennifer said her life was never easy? Well, I think that was an understatement. And that's where we'll pick up episode 4 of Jennifer's story tomorrow. If you want to follow along with Jennifer's story and other episodes, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast app to get the rest of the episodes. And I will see you tomorrow. This was American Divorce Stories. The show is created by Annabel Martinez-Vega and Walid Al-Jabari. The show is produced by Annabel Martinez-Vega, Caitlin Alexander-Levitt, Elizabeth Jenkins, and Walid Al-Jabari. If you enjoy this show, please share with your friends, rate and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to contact us with your story, our email is contact at americandivorcestories.com. Our website is americandivorcestories.com.